0: Welcome to Ball vs. Life, a podcast where your hosts, JC and Jack, discuss NORCAL versus SoCal perspectives. The Bay versus LA. Thanks for tuning in. Let's roll. Yes, we are back. I mean, it's it's been
1: uh it's been crazy, right, JC? Oh man, it's been a crazy, crazy month. You,
0: you know, I, I wanna say this doing the pod weekly you realize more than ever how much shit happens in a week <laughs> at least recently for us i mean i want you to i want you to give the audience or like the listeners an update i know you've been traveling and last time last
1: episode we mentioned that you're going you went to hawaii we got to we got to yeah. start off with that dude <laughs> yeah it's been crazy man i think uh, it's very unique just because i've been doing a tr- lot of traveling this past month and there's no downtime so this past weekend, we weren't able to stick with our regular recording nah. schedule just because I was over across the Pacific Ocean in the beautiful, beautiful islands of Oahu, Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. What? It was good, man. I mean, it was good to get away. It's always nice to be back in the islands. And I was traveling with my, with uh, family this time. So my parents uh, were with me. So, And it was their first time uh in oahu so we were doing a lot of the um standard sort of touristy stuff just to get them a feel for the island always gotta hit up waikiki i know a lot of people don't really are not big fans of that but it definitely is part of the vibe over in oahu and then uh we did touristy stuff like a luau but you know given that i have a little bit of experience with the island we also try to Navigate the island around. Drove around the island. Went to the north shore. grabbed some garlic shrimp. Damn. So I I tried to post some of those photos uh, while I was in the island, man. You were, so you were sending me. gave you a little bit of. Taste. you were sending
0: me photos of every time yeah. you ate, and I was like, damn, I was so jealous, man. The garlic shrimp.
1: Yeah, man. The, it's, the ribs. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah the the pipi ribs and the grinds. That's what they call it over there. The grinds, man. Everything is so ono. So. <laughs> I'm still in that that island vibe right now, and it w- it was great, man. It's always good to to get away and uh, enjoy the islands. I love I love Hawaii. So shout out to all of our Hawaiian listeners, if there are any. Were you
0: able to catch any of the games on your? Were you catching it on the phone? I know you were texting me here and there, but I actually don't know how you watch the games because yeah. it was in the thick of it,
1: dude. Yeah. yeah, it was it was like it was the in the thick of things with the Houston series, so it was really hectic, man. Uh, I was well prepared to just watch it on my phone. But strategically, it kind of worked out um, that I was able to catch the games at the hotel. As we were settling in, once we arrived from our flights, at least for game five and then game six, we were just kind of getting settled at the hotel. Uh, that afternoon as well so i caught both of the games thankfully i'll tell you this man there are not a lot of warrior fans oh. in hawaii you figured there's uh there's some west coast love over there but i think there's a lot of legacy laker i was just going to uh, say laker fans over there i was there. just going
0: to say hawaiians mm-hmm. are laker fans dude
1: <laughs> i know man i know so i really wasn't getting that much of a, a vibe plus there's a lot of tourists so people from all over the place we definitely aren't getting the same love as here in the bay area but hey. Hey man I'm, I'm from the bay I'm, i was repping with my nick van exel warrior city jersey wow. a shout out to those who i mean i actually got a shout out at uh, boots and chemo one of my favorite restaurants over there and the guy was just like hey that's a van Axel jersey <laughs> that's that's the real <laughs> warrior fandom right there man so it was good to get some props, and I had to rep uh, being a legit warrior fan over in the islands. So it was also cool.
0: shout out to boots and chemo's macadamia and pancakes, dude. The bomb! Oh man, <laughs>
1: it was it was so delicious, man. I swear, I gained like straight up fifteen <laughs> pounds. The fact that I haven't been balling and then I've been eating the grinds—it's just I can feel it in my body. <laughs> I can't wait to hit the courts. I know
0: the, the thing is you wanted to record today. Because you don't want to record tomorrow, because you want to reserve that for playing ball, right?
1: I know, man. Hey, you know, you you got to get your your runs in. But plus, there's a lot of topics to speak with today. But I won't lie, man. I, I got to get my I got to get my runs in when I, when it, it's available. I just have a quick story <laughs> while I was in Hawaii. Wait, I just want to say
0: this wouldn't be uh, a ball versus live pod or versus live pod. If you didn't have a story to
1: tell. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, there's always stories, man. That's what keeps it interesting. So let me let me go straight to it. Uh, no, more, uh, no more dilly-dallying around. So one of the reasons why I was there was I was visiting some family. My cousin lives over in Hawaii. He has a huge extended family over there. So we were invited to go to a first birthday party over there. Which apparently is such a big deal. I didn't know that. So what had happened is we had went to this first birthday party. And I was expecting like this little itty-bitty children's party. You know, clown or whatever. (laughs) But straight up, dude, it was crazy. (laughs) This thing that I... I mean, I think it was a combination of a Hawaiian slash Filipino birthday party. (laughs) First birthday party for a baby. The, The party straight up had... 400, 500 people. I shit you not, You guys not, rolled dude. deep. It was at a hotel, ballroom. It was bigger than most weddings that I've been to. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I even tried to post it a, a little bit on social media. It was the pimpest birthday party for a one-year-old I have ever seen. This baby was dressed up in all white, <laughs> like a vest and pants and they had him enter, like, the grand entrance with, like, this little automated mini electric Bentley. <laughs> and they literally had the baby just kind of be driven by that electric car up to the front of the event. They had the local radio station with a radio Whoa. DJ uh, hosting the event. They had dragon dancers. They had three dragons. It was like what Game the of fuck? Thrones over there, dude. It was crazy. And then they had, like, a photo booth. They had, like, this digital caricature, you know, those, like, make yourself an animated uh, drawing or whatever. They had a little playground. They had a buffet spread that was so legit. They had, like, poke (laughs) on the buffet. I love poke. And, you know, it was just... I was just... No wonder I gained 15 pounds. It was just like there for the taking. It was it was the craziest first birthday part. Shout out to Jackson. Happy first birthday, but bro, you did it big time. I don't even know how you can make that up as you grow older. That was crazy. Have you
0: seen the MTV series, My Sweet 16? It's an old series. You know, those, like, those yeah, 16-year-olds yeah. that get those decked out parties? This kid's starting even earlier yeah. than Sweet 16, dude. <laughs>
1: yeah, man. He could barely wipe his butt, and he's like, you know, "I actually, I." <laughs> he's already driving in a Bentley. It was. Ridiculous. I checked your social
0: media, and I actually saw the kid rolling in the Bentley because you you taped it or like you IG storied it, and I was like, "Where the fuck are you, man? <laughs> what, the, what? How exactly. did your trip end up so being random. some
1: kid's birthday? party? It was so random. Yeah, I've been to the islands many times, and this is the first time I've been to a first birthday party with a baby." All white baby. The baby was like P. Diddy. It was like Puff Daddy <laughs> from the 90s music video in a Bentley. It was crazy, man.
0: You, 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 uh, Island Boys, you're a Filipino and... For those people that don't know it, we actually posted on our social media the pictures of us. So, J- J- spoiler yeah. alert, JC's Filipino. You guys rolled so deep, yeah. though. Like, I mean, even before your family gatherings for those Pacquiao fights or whatnot, man, you guys roll so deep, dude. Yeah. It's like I meet you and I meet the rest of your family. If you become friends with a Filipino, you meet the whole crew.
1: Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, that's how we roll. We roll deep. It's 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 good times, man. It's good times with the family and uh, you ro- we roll deep and it's just... That's just the culture. I'll, so. I'll keep
0: my uh, weekend update really short. Uh, and it, shout out to AAPI Month, Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Uh, actually, was that a? <laughs> it, it doesn't roll off the tongue that smoothly. But you know what? You gotta be proud to be Asian, right, bro? <laughs>
1: hey man, we're representing for sure. Yeah. So
0: it's 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 you know it's it's basically Asian Heritage Month. And I went to an event called Identity LA. And they were honoring uh, Aquafina. Yeah. They had like some people in the community um, really ho- hosting that event or throwing that event, like Far East Movement, Wong Fu Productions. Who's they're just a YouTube uh, mm-hmm. channel. They they make like they make content and make videos for Asian Americans. Yeah. And yeah, that kind of threw that event. I got to actually meet Aquafina. She's hella cool, just as cool as you see on see her on uh, Rich Crazy Rich Asians. So that was kind of my update yeah. for this past weekend. It was real cool, dude, being around all these Asians and just. Feeling the love, dude.
1: Yeah, she bringing that East Coast uh, swag over here to the West Coast. She seems like she's a down girl, yeah. so yeah, much yeah, love much to loved her. She's
0: she's I mean, she's already blown up, but I hope she continues to blow up. I mean, she was on SNL besides Crazy Rich Asians, so yeah,
1: yeah, keep do keep doing your thing, girl. Yeah,
0: and you know what? More importantly, I want to mention today, the Lakers have been getting a lot of L's recently. But you know what? We got the number four pick, baby. The lottery was today. We we jumped from 11 to that.
1: four, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I remember the good old days where this was <laughs> literally the NBA finals for me, oh. the NBA draft lottery. And we would, what's funny is even if we wanted, we would still squander <laughs> the draft fix when we got the high draft fix. Wait, but, was it Epe Udo? Yeah, it Epe was Epe sur- Udo? <laughs> Yeah, it was Epe Udo, we got Patrick O'Brien. We talked about all these guys yeah. already, man. Ike Diagu, Ike all Diagu. of those guys. Even go back to Todd Fuller. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Needless to say, you're only halfway there, but it seems like the Lakers, in many ways, hit the lottery just because they weren't really expected to hit uh, a high draft pick, but they managed to to, to rise up in the, in, in the ranks. So we shall I see. I was listening
0: to that on the radio back from work. And this is my, this was my playoffs. Uh, when they started announcing eleven, and then you know to four, I was like, "Oh my god, dude, is Zion in the cards, dude? Did the NBA rig this shit?" Ah, uh, yeah, they didn't really rig it. <laughs> but you know, you know, as a exactly. fan, you just like you're dying with every every drawing of the cards or whatever, where they're like, "Oh, number ten goes to I don't know, whatever New Orleans or whatever." Ah, oh, man. Yeah. But I'm happy, though. I'm happy. We have more important things to talk about than the Lakers draft a success. Uh, let's talk about Warriors versus the Rockets. Epic shutout. <laughs> I can tell you that much. After Katie went down, and I remember this. We were texting with Taewoo, who's a Warriors fan. He's the kind of the third member, the shadow member of Ball Life. He's the one that, like I said before, designed our logo and all that stuff. He texted us right when KD went down and he said the
1: dynasty is over. Boom, what did what happened JC? The dynasty is not over, dude. <laughs> yeah, so in game 5, like, you know, it was a really competitive day, really hectic. And then KD pulls up for like a little mid-range jumper and he he just, you know, non-contact Oof. just pulls up lame. Yeah. Seeing that happen, It kind of reminded me of what happened when Kobe went up for the shot against the Warriors. And we know what happened with Kobe with the Achilles. And KD had the same Mm -hmm. limp. So when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, don't tell me that this is happening to KD. Just because a lot of outside of the playoffs, even the offseason kind of falls under, you know, whatever happens with KD, right? Just because New York, all of that stuff. So I was gutted. I was like I I I thought the same thing that uh, that Taewoo thought. He was like, "Oh yeah, this is is it going to end like this?" I I know Reggie Miller kind of jumped the gun. In terms of his assessment of the injury, I think we all did, but dude. I, yeah, all of us did. Just because it just kind of seemed that way. It just it was very reminiscent of the whole Kobe incident, and I was just like, "Fuck, this this might be it." Like, even if we somehow pull out the series, I just don't think we can really make anything of this run without KD. And then he went to the locker room, and there was just this uneasiness. Uh, about what had happened towards the end of the game though there was a little bit more clarity about what his injury was I guess there was uh, a mild uh, there was a a calf issue that had uh, popped up for him which actually has been an issue that he's had in previous years Mm -hmm. I remember him having uh, an issue with Portland a couple years back so it seems like the crisis has been averted and it is has has been diagnosed as a mild calf strain. More of a short term injury. With that said, it's still, you know, it's still having him miss some key games as the Warriors have been able to progress.
0: Well, dude, game game five, right when KD went out, everyone was thinking this is the time for the Rockets to steal this game. As a team, you're kind of dejected when you're star player. And no no shade at Steph Curry, but KD is probably the best player on that team when he goes out there's yeah. this chance that the rockets have especially this is that wasn't a home game for him that was an away game they could have stole it and aside from s- stealing a pivotal game five they could have closed it out game six but look we've all talked about this steph not stepping up in game four and game three he yeah. showed the world and this warriors team showed the world that they were built long before kd
1: joined game five was a very pivotal game and I'm glad that we were able to pull it off. I've seen them kind of collapse when the, when Boogie went down in the first in the first round, and I was fearing that the Warriors would crumble. But it seemed like they had sort of learned. And some of that championship medal and experience kind of showed itself in that in that series. Aside from the fact that Houston has been really challenging us, I think the guys were a little bit more focused in, in this series, and they closed out Game Five and getting us that Dove and putting us in a position to really close things out in Game Six. Yeah.
0: And I think the interesting part was when Katie went out. The Warriors, like I said earlier, was built long before Katie joined. They had success already. The ball movement was different. Steph Curry took over. And on a defensive end for the Rockets, having that ball movement instead of just throwing to KD in the high post or mid post really forced them to play a different kind of defense that they weren't ready to adjust to, actually. It was kind of interesting seeing Harden kind of gassed out because he had to chase Curry around where he normally actually was just guarding KD. And KD is an ISO player. So it's a little different when you're following a player through screens, fighting through those screens. It's a totally different kind of game doing that and then yeah. having the the energy like i said they're kind of rockets kind of style of play is a little ugly where harden just isos a, a huge proportion of the, part of the time which is very tiring just think about it playing basketball yeah. if so if i was to toss you the ball and you're going to go one-on-one 70 of all of your possessions you're going to you're going to get tired at the end no matter how conditioned you are because they're playing at the highest level yeah. too and let alone yeah. chasing Curry around or chasing whoever around, chasing Clay around, he's guarding one of those guys. So, yeah, it yeah. was kind of interesting seeing it play out, and I'm really happy that Steph Curry got to step up uh, in Game Five.
1: So Game Five was very interesting, and it was nice to see Steph kind of play back to his sort of MVP caliber, you know, level of, of, of play. It has been disappointing thus far to see him not show up so at least through game five it was really kind of refreshing to see that just closing out on game five and slowly transitioning to game six apparently there was a little bit of drama uh, <laughs> that had occurred prior to game six i don't know if you guys had heard but uh, game six was on friday as last week and then basically the warriors were on the road and they were playing at the toyota center in houston and i guess um steph trying to get Uh, Stay in Rhythm was trying to get some shots up over at the Toyota Center. So there has been reports that Steph had been trying to book some time over at the Toyota Center to just get get situated and get some shots up um, at Houston's uh, home arena. Um, And what had been reported was that Steph booked it the evening before Game 6. And the reports were saying that Houston or particularly CP, <laughs> Chris Paul had heard that this booking had occurred. And in true CP petty form, <laughs> it seems like the reservation was rescinded and they did not let Steph Curry use the facility, the Toyota Center, to take, uh, take some shots up because there was another player, that was going to be using that Chris Paul during using the court at that time. So Steph wasn't able to essentially use the court and he was kind of run out of the, the court. There were even reports that Steph was willing to take only one Ooh. half of the court just so that they could share the court. But the um, the request was Damn. denied. True to form, as we've seen with all of the, the petty stuff that uh, Chris Paul has been de- doing over the years... It seems like there was a little bit of gamesmanship in terms of that move. I understand that it's a home court and you really don't want to provide any advantage to your opponent, but come on. I was going to say this. He's the best shooter in the world, like Steph Curry.
0: Like, it's not going to make a big difference. Like, if you. And he proved it in game six. (laughs) I mean, maybe not in the first half, but he sure as hell proved it in the second half. And you know what? You don't want to give the champions any more chip on their shoulder that it only fuels Steph Curry even more. You as a competitor, you use anything you can. CP3, he would understand that more than anyone. Kobe, they use whatever they can, any slight, any itty bitty slight to fuel them. And I'm sure that's what Steph Curry did. And he was, wasn't was he heard after the game saying something?
1: Yeah, he was heard like, run me off the court again, boy, or something yeah, like dude. that right after. So obviously, there definitely was a little bit of extra motivation for him to show up. You mentioned, though, and I guess this is a good way to transition into the performance in mm-hmm. Game 6. Uh, coming into this game, I was concerned. When we're playing in Oracle in Game 5, we really play a little bit better at home. Yeah. Uh, When the energy is there. So there's a lot of momentum going into there. Add the fact that Houston is playing for their lives. And they've shown that if they are desperate and they play aggressive, they could win a game. We saw that in games 3 and 4 when they tied the series. I was really concerned about how game 6 would go. All of the X-Factors we've discussed in previous pods had been playing well, such as Eric Gordon. And it seems like some of the bench players like P.J. Tucker and Clint Capella played better while they're at home yeah Austin Rivers definitely they seem to play better when they're at home so I was like this game is not a gimme at the start of that game I was really concerned I'm I'm at my hotel room in Hawaii watching and I'm just like man I think I'm gonna have to watch another game on Sunday just to see how this goes because Steph was ice cold man he he did not make a bucket in the first half. Dude, without KD, it's gonna be a tough, tough mountain to climb to win this game. Thankfully, Clay was lights out in the first half, so the Splash Brothers definitely kind of carried Clay the load. A- so Clay was keeping us. Clay has a thing for game sixes, Clay has a yeah.
0: thing for game sixes.
1: Game six, Clay, man. Game six, Clay is it's it's dangerous, man. You don't wanna you don't wanna put game six and <laughs> yeah. Clay together if you're our opponent, just because for some reason things just kind of lock in for him during that time and definitely and he was lighting it up in the first half he was shooting you know all of these sort of just heat check jumpers and they were dropping and when that happens it's really hard to to guard him just because he's he's just unconscious so it was still a close game by halftime. So in many ways, I was just I was concerned because, you know, eventually if, if if Steph doesn't get it going, <coughs> it's going to be an uphill climb to, to close it out. Second half, the floodgates opened and you saw MVP Steph Curry just do his thing, man. He went from zero to a hundred, or zero to thirty-three points, real quick. It was it was ridiculous. It was just vintage Steph Curry. He was getting to the basket. He was you know doing crossovers, putting people on skates, dropping all of these just Steph Curry threes. It was it was crazy. I saw after the game,
0: LeBron tweeted, uh, and I'm paraphrasing. The not to me, the heart of a champion. And Steph has a heart of a champion. Mm-hmm. And I was gonna say before going into Game Six, there was a lot of talk on the sports radio or the national circuit that people were not really giving the Warriors any chance in game six, at least they were really looking forward to game seven. And I personally thought, yeah. I'm like, these guys are champions, man. <laughs> like, you guys are not giving any of these guys credit. And I, we, I understand that the bench has been really bad, but to give mm-hmm. props where prop is due, the bench stepped up.
1: <laughs> Kevin Lully yeah, stepped up. The bench did step up. Yeah. They did not have a choice. Steve Kerr did not have a choice but to put them mm-hmm. in in you know, gave them some run. And, you know, the guys kind of made a bunch of key plays. Jonas Jurebko oh, yeah. made some key plays. Even Jordan Bell made some key defensive plays. Oh, he blocked plays. a couple
0: of shots that I was like, man, this is the Jordan Bell you guys were hyped about before, hoping that he would fill that role, right?
1: Exactly. But the story of the game, honestly, yeah. with Steph Curry, I think that the bench players were, in many ways, set up by Steph's gravity mm. and his success. If he's doing his thing then it kind of opens things up for the other bench players to play better. Not to discredit the bench players. They still needed to make the plays and they still needed to hit the shots. But, you know, if you have Steph's gravity out there, it really just opens the floor up and it enables people to kind of really get a little bit more comfortable and it keeps the defenses on their toes. That's why Steph Curry, even though KD is the best player Mm -hmm. on our team, in many ways the team goes as Steph goes and game 6 pretty much just showed what he can do he, he's he's so nuclear that he could literally win you a game just for 12 minutes of solid mvp play it was crazy there's just
0: something about Steph when he catches on fire that like you said you you put it is isn't like it go it's like nuclear but the swag that he has when he hits those threes it he just permeates through the whole team. And in fact, it just yeah. not only permeates through the whole team, you can see the other team get dejected when he's hitting these ridiculous threes in people's faces. And wow, it it really devastated the Rockets. And on the other end of things, the Rockets really failed big time. <laughs> they failed epically this time. They have no excuses this time around. To lose to the Warriors when Katie goes out, which is a prime opportunity for you to finally take control of the series and win the series in Game 7 or even in Game yes. 6, if they won Game 5 after KD went out, this was their chance. This this year was their window. When KD went out, that was their window. Yeah. And they lost it. And who knows how they're going to bounce back next year. But I'm sure yeah. they're going to have some sleepless nights thinking, wow, the Warriors were really weak this year. Um, with the KD injury, we, we could have been in the finals what, or in the Western Conference finals. What do
1: you think went wrong for
0: them? I think seen as how their style of play, I just cannot see their style of play winning. In the long term of things, or a long run of things, like to get to the finals, yeah. and the Warriors are always going to be their Achilles' heel. Harden, he yeah. can't sustain that, especially in the playoffs. That yeah. style of play, and I like Harden in terms of his skill, right? What he what he does yeah. is amazing, but I hate watching yeah. him play, dude. He's just iso balling yeah. for seventeen seconds of the twenty four sh- second shot clock, and he jacks up a a, a step back three and Look, when it goes in, it's a beautiful thing. Trying to, trying to bait for a foul. Yeah, dude. And the flopping. You know what? Again, respect yeah. to where respect is due. Harden is an MVP candidate. He is an MVP, and he's always going to be MVP candidate the way he plays. And he's super conditioned. Yeah. Props to that. But him and CP3, CP3 is getting longer in the 2-2. I just don't yeah. see it anymore. I just don't see their their window yeah.
1: anymore. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do agree. I do feel like James Harden kind of lost gas towards the end. I mean, it's a long series, you know, seven game series. They're playing every other day. At that point, it's just the shots that he was making earlier uh, wasn't uh, dropping as much. If he's not getting the calls. Again, you if you play basketball, if, if you rely on calls and all of that stuff, it really just takes the, you know, autonomy, the control away from yourself and you're putting it on the officials. If you're not getting those calls, you're going to be losing those games. Much respect to James Harden's skill. Mm-hmm. He's really good at what he does, but it definitely is painful to, to watch. And you know what? For all the shit that Houston <laughs> talked for all <laughs> season about running it back because CP was injured last Mm -hmm. year. And if he wasn't, then they would have pulled it off. Now they had an opportunity to actually close out on a compromised Warrior squad and they failed in two chances. Eat that, Houston. Just stay humble. Don't do that petty stuff and just play basketball you'll get respect when respect is due and you know there are other teams out there that i like better just because they kind of handled themselves a little bit better than the way that Mm -hmm. houston was houston was act like cp acts like he's won something already he acts all entitled for all of these calls and doing all this petty stuff and the fact that he kind of does all the petty stuff at the expect uh, just to be able to win like it's reached a level where he's such a, a, a not a winner, <laughs> quote unquote a loser, where he would resort to dirty tactics yeah. or just flopping or just anything. It just makes it pitiful, and it just. I like the old Elijah one Rockets, yeah. but this Rocket Squad, they could just eat crow. I, I respect PJ Tucker, but they had an opportunity if they just didn't talk all that smack, they wouldn't be. Exp- you know, getting all this vitriol. We'll see what happens with their squad. I don't know how they can get over the hump, but obviously back to the drawing board for yeah, them. I mean,
0: we'll end it, the the Rockets and Warriors series on that. I'll, I'll give you the the longtime Warriors fan, that's final say. The Rockets are dead. You guys put them to sleep. That's the, that's the way to end it, bro, because that's what you guys did. At least,
1: <laughs> yeah, for all the crap that Steph was getting to, it was just a nice clapback. Mm-hmm for all the hate and we discussed that in the last pod let your game speak let the let the series results speak for itself so it is what it is on to the yeah, next and with
0: that said we'll have a little intermission of from what from the warriors and we'll talk about the lakers the lakers there's more news aside from the getting the fourth pick which is a positive <laughs> Let's talk about a little of the <laughs> negative. There's, There can never be one without the other. There's always positive and negative, JC, all right? That's just how the world works. Yeah. So what happened? We hired a coach. There's some resolution to all this stuff. Frank Vogel, w- <laughs> walk on down. <laughs> it's not Ty Lue or Monty Williams.
1: even name him I was like, what an amazing Frank- hire. Frank who? Frank Vogel? <laughs> yeah, what? Lawrence Frank who? I thought he was with the Clippers. Frank. Look,
0: <laughs> I I wanna say this first before going into it. Frank Vogel is actually an accomplished coach. As much as we're gonna make fun of yeah. this, he is a legitly accomplished coach. Yeah. Let's just say that. He's not a sexy yeah. name. He's he's not <laughs> Ty Lue, who's you know, he's a championship coach, even though LeBron carried him. Yeah. But he's a he's a he's a well accomplished coach. So I don't wanna bash on Frank Vogel. It's just not a sexy hire. And the way that it went down yeah. where Ty Lu and Monty was on top of the list. But because of how negotiations yeah. went and you could see they were only offering a three-year deal. Tyloo, just just to put it into all into context, Tylu was up for the job and he was about to close in on the job. But from reports, we found out that the Lakers were only offering a three-year deal. And Tylu thought that was an insult because as a coach, first of all, the market rate is five years. Let's just let's just put it straightforward. Most coaches nowadays in the NBA mm. are getting five-year deals. So for them to offer him a three-year deal only to coach LeBron means that they don't have faith of him, faith in him as a coach beyond <laughs> LeBron. So, he has he has some yeah. pride. So, he turned it down. He thought, "You know what? I don't need this job. Well, I don't I don't need to put up with with this. I deserve a 5-year deal and I deser- deserve respect from the Lakers." So, he turned it down. And I believe hmm. Monty turned down a potential deal because of that. They probably were offering him a 3-year deal too. And that makes sense because he took the Suns job, which is a 5-year deal, more job security. And more respect, right? Come on down, Frank Vogel. He took that three-year deal. He's you know, he's like, you know what? Yoink! I'll do it. And the stipulation was Jason Kidd had to be insistent. So that's another interesting facet facet of this kind of saga that's playing out. And I think a lot of people are kind of enraged, at least the national media. And I'll I'll go I'll go to my opinion soon that the front office is really messing this up even more. And there's already a lot of bad publicity or bad. Uh, happenings running up to this, leading up to this point, and this is just another blunder in uh, many people's eyes. Um, to me personally, uh, I don't think it's a blunder necessarily. I think they always just wanted to hire a coach just for LeBron, <laughs> and that's their prerogative. If yeah. management wanted that, they just need to find somebody who fits that. Whether Frank Vogel is going to be successful or not will be will truly determine whether it was a bad hire or not. So it's easy to bash yeah. on them now, but we don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, I will say this: if yeah. your number one and number two choice was Monty and Lou, and you didn't hire them, that is a fail, though, because this is yeah. not one of your top two options. It's your third option. So in many yeah. ways, you already are settling. <laughs> you had all these parameters, yeah. but you should, as an organization, you should hire the best. Fuck these yeah. other parameters, like three-year deal. No. You want to win yeah. now. You should hire a coach that's going to help you win now. If that's number one, Monty or yeah. Lou, you do it. You give them yeah. like two, extra, two extra years. So that's my opinion, though. But yeah. I'm not in that room. And there's yeah. a lot of controversy in yeah. that room. People are saying that Jeannie's not even the owner. There's a shadow owner, Linda R- Rambus, And there's a shadow president of basketball operations in Kurt Rambus. And I've been hearing here and yeah. there, people are calling them the Rambi. I don't know. What's, yeah. what's your take? I've been going on and on. Do you have a take at all? Do you even care?
1: <clears throat> My take on this is: the uh, Lakers <laughs> are a mess, bro. It's this, just like I don't like. I I was having fun with it early on in the season, but now it's just like, <laughs> dude, it just keeps on piling on, and it's kind of gotten really sad. Mm. They're just not going about business the right way. Like before, even going after a coach, just try to get your front office situation all sorted out. The fact that they have these sort of shadow owners, shadow front office, everything is just not transparent and cut and dry. There's always just some sort of like drama behind it. And that just doesn't speak well about the organization where nothing is really clear cut about it. The hierarchy, the the decision making, uh, it just doesn't make sense. Another thing that really stands out to me is a lot of... Uh, the LeBron decision still resonates with even their coaching decisions. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like they were trying to cater to LeBron. And again, it goes back to my analysis of the whole LeBron situation, even before the season ended in the sense that, they don't have one clear game plan. They're trying to do two things at the mm-hmm. same time. Are you doing a long-term development play or are you trying to win mm-hmm. now? You have LeBron, but then you have all of these young kids that you want to develop at the same time. And it's just not, you know, there's a dissonance there. I think that's the word that I use. Just it, it's not connecting and it's causing all this conflict. And it's happening with the coaching search. They're trying to find a coach that can coach LeBron, but they want, You know, someone that's long term, like even with the Monty Williams situation, if it was more of a long term development play, maybe Monty would have taken the the job, but we don't know. It's just such an unclear situation that even coaches don't want to get into that shitstorm. And Frank Vogel, Johnny on the spot, is the one that's been able to just kind of, I mean, maybe he didn't really have any other opportunities (laughs) and he just kind of took it. And even with the stipulation of Jason Kidd, because it could very much well be the case that if Vogel doesn't find any success early yeah. on, he's out of yeah. there and there's going to be a quick trigger and Jason's going to be there and and making the decisions. And In many ways, I don't even know if that's going to be the right call just because is Jason Kidd going to be a right uh, coach for someone like LeBron? They played with each other, but it's different when there's sort of a, a hierarchy as a coach. So... I don't know, man. It's just a mess. It's a dumpster fire. And it's just, I feel for you. And, you know, so just think about that number four yeah. lottery pick. The the drama is going to continue and we'll have more storylines to talk about. But it just doesn't really seem like a good look right now. So I'm sorry to say that, but that's the way I see it. Yeah, there's a lot of trouble that the situation could play out to be. And uh, one of my,
0: the first thought that... A- that popped in my head was uh, the Blatt and Ty Lu coaching drama that was in the, was for the Cavs a couple years ago, where Blatt, LeBron didn't really respect, and then Tai Lu eventually took over. This smells a little bit like that because the Lakers kind of forced Jason Kidd onto the staff, according to reports, that they really wanted Jason Kidd as an assistant, so that really wasn't Frank Vogel's guy. A lot of times what happens is when a coach gets hired, they bring in their guys. And we'll see how this plays out. I'm really not too optimistic about it to be honest but the coaching staff's in place and we got to move you got to move forward the the pick is locked in so there there has to be built synergy has to be built now no matter how troubling it is so we'll see how free agency plays out and we'll probably dive into this topic more as you know the days go by and the the draft comes and magic actually is going to be on first take next monday so that will be kind of uh, interesting. <laughs> and I'll say this. Yeah, the man. same day Magic goes on first take, the Lakers are introducing Frank Vogel as their head coach. Which will be yeah. the first time a lot of management, a lot of, first time that management will be talking publicly like Rob Pelinka. So let's move on to the next topic. Yeah. Warriors versus Blazers. Western Conference Finals. Who the fuck thought the Blazers yeah. would be in the Western Conference Finals? They won a Game 7 no one sure in De- Denver. No Exactly, tried. especially after Nurkic injury, dude. That horrific leg injury. Yeah. Who would have thought yeah. they're an underdog story, I'll tell you that much.
1: I think the Blazers were able to make it to this, this point by the sheer will of their their guard tandem. Yep. CJ and Dame pretty much have been taking turns in terms of carrying the team, and credit to them. They seem like good guys with chips on their shoulders, working hard on their craft and making big yep. shots. Um, and coming through, so Dame didn't play well on Game Seven against their against Denver, but CJ came up clutch. So they've been kind of taking turns mm-hmm. in terms of just carrying carrying the team. Now they for they face the big bad Warriors without KD um, though. You know we used to be underdogs, so it's going to be an interesting series. I mean, coming into the game tonight, and we can talk a little bit about how the game. Uh, progressed. Yeah. I knew that Houston was a very tough series for us and Houston is very, very talented and experienced and it was going to be a grueling series. Uh, but I didn't want to over, I did not want to look over mm-hmm. Portland just because I have a tremendous amount of respect for those two guys, Dame and CJ. Um, they have, uh, and they're not as uh, inexperienced as you may think they have been in yeah. the playoffs and they have faced the Warriors multiple times. So I don't want to take that for granted. You know, what's your take on the Look, series? I,
0: I, my take is I don't think Portland strikes real fear in the Warriors' hearts, because as much as I love CJ and Dame and they are a dynamic duo, one of the biggest things that the Warriors struggle with is big guards. Harden is a person that gives them trouble because he's actually a really big guard. the The difference with Dame and CJ is they're not big guards, so Clay and Steph, they don't struggle as much defensively against their guard tandem. No matter, even though they are super talented, <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah, they are not going to struggle as much defensively against them. Harden was a mm-hmm. nightmare for Steph and even Clay. And Clay's an all-world defender. This series, I don't yeah. foresee them struggling that much defensively against them. And that's why I don't think fear. There's as much fear as the Rocket series. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my take on it. I. I mean, game one kind of played out very much as how I expected it. I was thinking in my mm-hmm. head before, and I told you this over text that for them to steal, they kind of need to steal game one because the the Warriors may they might be overlooking Portland a little bit game one, especially with KD injured. But they controlled this whole yeah. game, I and mean, let's talk about the game a little bit now since we're talking yeah. about Portland. Yeah, they controlled the whole game.
1: Yeah, I mean the yeah the game one and box score was one sixteen. Yep. 94 Golden State, so it was. I would suffice to say it was a yeah. blowout.
0: I, I, look, watching and, the
1: game, and you you
0: mentioned this to me. They they were suffering a little hangover yeah. because they did come off yeah. Game Seven on Sunday, and so it's a it's a brutal yeah. turnaround to go from an intense elimination, one game elimination, to the first game of the Western Conference Finals against the champions. It, it's a it's a tough yeah. tough. I don't know. It's just tough for for a game yeah. to play.
1: They were on the road in Denver. They were playing in elevation against a really tough Denver team. Don't forget that the Portland Denver series also featured a record breaking four OT mm-hmm. game. So these guys are winded. Yeah. It was an opportunity to, for the Warriors to not squander. They they needed to make sure that they. They took this game because if they they dropped it, make for a really tough series. Just because if Portland steals one, it's gonna be it's gonna take the the home court advantage away right away, and and you don't want a team like Portland to gain confidence early exactly. on. Plus, right now the Warriors are somewhat compromised, despite the results of what had happened with the Houston series. We don't have Boogie, we don't have KD. Yeah. God knows how long they'll be out. So definitely, there was an element of risk, but good thing is, the Warriors handled business today. They didn't even play their stars as much minutes as they have been in the Houston yeah. series, just because towards the end of the fourth quarter, I mean, even Damian Jones and Damian Lee or whatever <laughs> uh, was getting was getting minutes. Our our, our end of the bench, <coughs> they were getting some run. It was good to get that, that first win and sort of gain uh, a stronghold at the start of the series. I was
0: going to say, when you mentioned that the last series that Dame and CJ were kind of taking turns with their stat lines and taking control of the game, I don't think the Portland, Portland can do that in this series. They can't have one good game from Dame and the next game from CJ and be able to survive that way. They both need to have good games every single game for them to have any chance of winning. I... I it's just, mm. who else is who else can step up? Rodney Hood, and let's talk about the X-Factors. Uh, what are, do you think the yeah, X-Factors yeah. are for Portland first, uh, as, before going yeah. to the Warriors, which, you know, we have covered before. Yeah,
1: I agree with you. Like, if 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 the two stars, Dame and CJ, if one of them struggle, then it's going to be really tough for Portland to really steal some games against the Warriors. Uh, with that said... I think the recipe for success against the Warriors was kind of seen in the Houston series. And um, I do think that offensive rebounding will be a key, especially since we don't have too much of a big presence right now. I mean, we do have Bogut and Draymond rebounding there. Um, So I do feel like one of the X factors is Ennis Cantor. If he does his, you know, PJ Tucker Montrez Harrell thing and starts killing us on the offensive boards, it could spell trouble for us just because, you know, you know, it'll give Damon CJ more opportunities to take some shots, and if they have more shots, they can be more dangerous. Um, with that said, I do think some of the wing players are going to be key as well, players like Evan Turner and mm-hmm. Rodney Hood. If those guys make shots, a la Eric Gordon, it could it could make it tough for the Warriors uh, to get unexpected production from those yeah. guys. So if they have big games, 20-point games, something like that, then I can see Portland grabbing a game or two against the Warriors.
0: Yeah, hearing you just mention Rodney Hood, uh, no love for Seth Curry, dude. (laughs) The other half of the Curry brother. (laughs) Um, Hearing you mention those players compared to Eric Gordon, it's a huge drop-off. Eric Gordon... Is all yeah. world score so to, to kind of I, yeah. I don't want to keep bashing on Portland. It, it's just an uphill battle. That's what I'm saying. It's a big uphill battle. And kudos to the to the Blazers for getting to the Western Conference Finals. I think I, I do think uh, Denver would have gave them a little bit more of a challenge to Golden State. I don't think Denver would have beat them any yeah. regardless. But you never know until the games are played. You never know because the Warriors right now are compromised. I don't think Katie's playing next game and last i heard is boogie hasn't been cleared for contact so i don't think he's going to be back in the next two three games and i don't foresee this series yeah. going to game seven i do my prediction of this yeah. series is the the, the warriors are going to close out in five i i don't think the blazers if they don't steal a game i don't i don't see them i just don't see them going pushing this deep at all
1: so so gentlemen, sweep is your, your prediction. I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, seeing how game one has occurred thus far, it's very encouraging to see what the formula for the Warriors will yeah. be. And the fact that um, the Blazers are playing an uphill battle in the Western Conference Finals games or every other day, there really won't be a lot of time for them to recover um, I can see them take a game up in Portland just by sheer momentum and just the energy of their crowd. But I don't know if that is sustainable uh, for an extended period of <coughs> of time. And I do give Damon CJ an opportunity to at least blow up one game. And plus the Warriors, I don't, I don't know, they've kind of squandered some games, so I wouldn't put yeah. it past them to kind of lose a game or two. But with that said, I do agree with your assessment. I do envision a gentleman's sweep, so maybe five yeah. games, but I'm not all into these predictions, man. I'm in heart attack <laughs> mode right now. All I want is the players to stay healthy. We've already suffered a bunch of injuries during this playoff run. We'll see. With that said, if we can get a a, a head start on getting some rest, uh, looking forward to the the next round, if we handle our business this round, I'm all for it.
0: I so. mean, I, I want to say this before we start closing things out. I do think uh, a sleeping giant has been awoken, Steph Curry. I think we're mm-hmm. going to see a total different Steph Curry, especially with KDL. And we're seeing it play out last game and in game one he's been dominant Uh, and aside from that I do want to kind of touch upon these other series that are are going on that have been incredibly exciting Kawhi Leonard (laughs) hitting that miraculous buzzer beater and it's the first buzzer beater ever to close out a series Um, like like a game seven in a game seven I mean I know uh, Dame hit a hit a, a series winner but in a game seven that's the first game winning shot and it was incredible. Bounced on the rim four times before going in. And I will say this, that this is kind of a preview in the East. I do think the Warriors are going to get a huge challenge if they invest in the finals. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but let's just kind of yeah. talk hypothetical situations. Regardless of whether Toronto yeah. or Milwaukee advancing in the finals, I do think this will be one of their biggest challenges coming from the East, even though they have faced LeBron. But these teams are deep, yeah. and they are amazing on the defensive end.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So I don't want to look past Portland, but you know, you always got to keep tabs on the Eastern Conference, and they have some really talented players over there. Some of them have a championship Mm -hmm. pedigree, like Kawhi Leonard, and some are just straight up freaks. So we'll see what happens. That was the conversation for the future, hopefully. But let's handle business with Portland right now, just because I am not taking anything for granted. All of these games are big, an injury or two can shift. Yeah. how the playoffs run so we'll see what happens and uh if anything i just expect fireworks for the portland warriors mm-hmm. series just because it's just a lot of guard play fast paced a lot of shooting and hey man let's see let's see those threes fly let them fly right,
0: we'll see how it plays out and now that you're back from vacay we can kind of get back to a regular schedule right <laughs> we can we can uh get settled in and record these episodes in a in a much more normal fashion (laughs) i hope
1: (laughs) yes sir let's try to keep at it and uh thanks to everyone that's been listening appreciate yeah we do appreciate you follow us on ig at ball versus life official
0: and uh, give us a shout out give us a rating review and we'll send you some swag like we said last episode we really want to give out some cool swag so thank you for the listening we'll talk to you guys next
1: week yes see ya